I waited and let the children come in last as they were preparing to, to practice for the last time. And all of our children came in and they came in quietly and BYG just had them dumbfounded. I mean, absolutely had them captured. And if you'd like to see about 45 or 50 little kids sit silently, that's what happened. I mean, they were sitting in their seats, eyes on their on the young people, on the youth. And they were just frozen and, and being blessed just as you have just been blessed. So, uh, great job, BYG. Man, I love those guys. I love you guys. Amen. Well, in, in preparation for this Sunday morning this week, I've discovered that one primary reason why the ascension of Christ, that is when Jesus ascended into heaven, one reason the ascension of Christ is not often preached is because after Jesus ascended into heaven, he left the continuation of his ministry up to me and you. And that's a handful, amen? And a lot of times we don't like to preach on that that we have to do. But that's exactly what happened. In Acts chapter 1, if you'll turn with me in your, in your Bibles, um, the author of the book of Acts is Dr. Luke. He is a physician. Uh, he knows what he's talking about from the physical realm. And Luke not only wrote the book of Acts, but he also wrote the gospel of Luke. So as you know that information, consider what he says here. He says in verse 1, the former account that I made, he's talking about the gospel of Luke there. The former account that I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began. Say it again. Of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, that is, unmistakable proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. But to wait for the promise of the Father, which, Jesus said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 6. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, at this time will you restore the kingdom of Israel? And Jesus said to them, It is not for you to know the times. It is not for you to know the seasons which the Father has put under his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and all Judea, and Samaria, and even to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, listen carefully, while they watched, Jesus was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they were looking steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men came and stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, 
Jesus, whom was taken up from you into heaven, will also come in like manner as you saw him go up. Can I tell you this morning that Jesus is coming again? And he's coming for his church. He's coming for those who have placed their faith in him. And I pray that it's you. I pray that you have done that. Acts chapter 1, friend, is where the rubber hits the road. Acts chapter 1 is where the going gets tough and the tough get going. Amen. Acts chapter 1 is where we can determine if we are truly Christ's followers or only a bunch of lost sinners seeking some fire insurance. Which one are you? You know, there are very few people who can come to the end of even their very best day and say, it's finished. I'm through. I've done everything that I set out to do today. I've accomplished it all. Instead, if you're like me, I have a long list of things that I'm going to do someday. Amen? My garage is still dirty. I'm going to get to it someday. If the rain's going to stop one of these days, I'm going to get to mow, mow my lawn someday. Amen? Uh, some of you may be waiting to till or plant your garden. And I'm telling you, when the rain stops, you're going to get around to it someday. Amen? But whatever it is, very seldom do we come to the conclusion of our day, sit back, fold our arms, and say, I have finished everything that I set out to do today. But Jesus could do that. Jesus truly could say, it is finished. I have done everything that the Father asked me to do. I have done what he's called me to accomplish. In the wilderness, I conquered sin. On the cross, I conquered death. In the grave, I conquered hell. And now as I ascend back to the Father, I have conquered Satan himself. Jesus could say, I finished what God called me to do. But the ascension of Jesus is not the only time that we read about people ascending into heaven. The Bible mentions several. Uh, one in the Old Testament is a man called Enoch. Another is an Old Testament prophet. His name was Elijah. And both of those men ascended directly into heaven. But there was one huge difference. Enoch or Elijah never died. I like the little story about the child who uh, was talking to her Sunday school teacher and telling the story of Enoch and said, well, one day God and Enoch were walking along together and uh, it came close to the end of the day. And so God turned to Enoch and he said, hey, we're closer to my house than yours. Why don't you just come on home with me? Amen. I think that that is exactly how it might have happened. Enoch was taken immediately up to heaven as the Old Testament scriptures tell us. But the ascension of Jesus, that's a different story. The ascension of Jesus is very unique. Jesus really did die on a cross. Jesus really was buried in a tomb. Jesus really was raised from the dead. And Jesus really ascended to heaven. So as we think about that 
this morning. As we think about Christ ascending up into heaven this morning, I want you to consider with me three things. First of all, consider this. Why did Jesus hang out for 40 days after he was resurrected? Why did he remain for 40 days after he was resurrected? Why did he hang around? Uh, had he had enough of mankind treating him awfully? I mean, why did he stick around? And why for 40 days? Well, we, we find in the scriptures that the number 40 seems to be special in the scriptures. Think about this. Uh, it rained for 40 days during Noah's flood. Think about this. The 12 spies were in Canaan for 40 days. For 40 years, the children of Israel wandered around the wilderness. Jesus was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. And now Jesus spends 40 extra days on this planet after he's resurrected. What is the connection? You ready for this theological answer? I don't know. And neither does anybody else because the Bible doesn't tell us. But there does seem to be a connection there. But as I'm thinking about what the connection is, one thing I know for sure. One of the goals that Jesus had for hanging out after his resurrection was that he wasn't done teaching the apostles. He wanted to finish teaching his disciples. When Jesus died on the cross, when Jesus was buried in his tomb, man, his followers were absolutely devastated. They were so tore up because they forgot. They forgot what Jesus had taught them over and over again. They simply forgot. But then the tomb was empty. The tomb was empty. They go to the tomb, and even then, they don't believe. It wasn't until they actually saw him. It was Mary Magdalene, all those other women. It was Peter and John. Uh, it was the apostles that, uh, all together in the upper room. It was 500 people at one time that had all seen him. Again and again, he appeared to them, and he said, Look at me. Look at me with your eyes. Come and touch me. Know that I am alive. Know that I have done everything that I promised you I would do. I've kept my promise to you. I've done everything. And then finally, it begins to sink in. Finally, after these lessons keep repeating over and over again, they finally begin to get it. And they remember what Jesus said back in John chapter 14. They remember that Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again. And I'll receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may also be. They remembered that. They remembered what Jesus was teaching them. And during those 40 days, Jesus appeared to them again and again and again, driving home the lessons that he had taught them before. Suddenly, all the lessons that Jesus had been teaching for three years. How'd you like to sit under my preaching for three years, day in and day out? You'd love that, wouldn't you? 
Amen. There's two of you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. For three years, now it starts making sense. Now it starts all coming together. It starts making sense. And listen to what happened. A change came over them. Those men and those women, they were different. Those men and those women, they got excited about the Lord. They had seen firsthand His promises being manifest right before their eyes. They started getting excited and suddenly they realized the truth about what Jesus was teaching them. He was saying, I brought good news for you. Go out into the whole world and and preach this good news. Don't place a whole lot of importance on this world. You're only going to be here for a little while, but you're going to be in eternity with me forever and ever. Make sure your priorities are right. But some of us here today still haven't learned that lesson, have we? No, I think a lot of people, many of you that are here, maybe you're still all wrapped up in the here and now. And you can't see past the here and now to see what's going to be going on for all eternity. Eternity is an awfully long time, amen? Are you sowing seeds? Are you living a life that is worthy of an eternal life? Jesus spent 40 years, 40 days re-emphasizing, driving home this point. And if you don't get anything else I said today, you get this. Because he spent 40 days driving home this point. Death is not the end. Death is not the end. It is only the beginning. So, friend... How are you living this life? Are you living this life with a scope toward eternity? Here's a second thing I'd like for you to see. And that is the difference between flesh and spirit. It's interesting. Uh, It's hard for us to understand. I mean, we see everything with physical eyes. Amen? Uh, We comprehend things with a physical mind. We touch things with a physical body. So it's hard for us to shift gears, if you will, and begin to think in terms of the spiritual. But that's what I'm going to try to do for you today. I want you to start thinking this morning in terms of the spiritual. Have you ever wondered, what am I going to be like when my life on this planet is over? Am I just going to lie in the grave? What am I going to be like when my life is done on this planet? I mean, what form am I going to take as a believer in Jesus Christ? The Apostle John tells us a little bit. He gives us a glimpse in 1 John 3, 2. He tells us, dear friends, now that we are children of God, what we will be has not yet been made known. So we don't know all the details, but listen to what we do know. But we know that when Jesus appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now I want you to shift gears, and I want you to think back to John chapter 20. 
In that chapter, it's early resurrection morning. Mary Magdalene is hanging out at the tomb, and the tears are flowing. You see, Mary was a woman who Jesus had extracted or exorcised seven demons from her. So Jesus made a real difference in her life. And now Jesus is gone. Now Jesus is gone and there is this huge vacuum in Mary's life. And so Jesus makes a special appearance to her. And he speaks directly to Mary. And then in verse 17, listen to what he says. She gets very excited and very emotional. And Jesus tells Mary, do not hold on to me. Do not cling to me. And then as we read on in John chapter 20, we come to verse 27 and we find Thomas, you know, that doubting disciple. Any of you had that problem before? That doubting disciple. And Jesus tells Thomas, put your finger here. Look at my hands. Take your hand and put it here into the wound stop doubting Jesus said and believe stop doubting and believe stop doubting and believe now the Bible doesn't tell us if Thomas actually touched the wounds of Jesus or not the scriptures just don't say but here's what we do know Thomas proclaims, my Lord and my God. He believes. He has stopped doubting, and he now believes. Both these passages, the one with Mary and the one with Thomas, they teach us something. And they teach us that Jesus was in a form that could be touched. Jesus was in a form after his resurrection where somebody could hold on to him. And we know later on in the scriptures that Jesus, in his resurrected body, actually picked up fish and he ate it near the Sea of Galilee. But here's something else we know. At the same time that he could be held on to and touched and would eat, At the same time, if he wanted to enter a room, he didn't have to knock on the door. At the same time, if he wanted to enter a room, he could just walk through the wall if he wanted to. And so that tells you a little bit about the form that Jesus had when he was resurrected. Do you understand all that? Say no, because I know you don't. No, you don't. You think you do. We don't understand all that. We don't understand all that. But here's what I do understand. I understand that the Bible says that in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, I'm going to be changed. That's right. The Bible says that one day I'm going to have a new body, and that new body ain't ever going to grow old. Some of you are going to really like that, Amen. 
Bible says that one day I'm going to have a body that will not be limited by time. It will not be limited by space. It will not be limited by any restrictions that I have on this present planet. And in Philippians chapter 3, the Bible says we're going to be like Jesus. That the Lord Jesus will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body. We're going to be like Jesus. One day, I'm going to ascend just like Jesus ascended. One day, I'm going to be with the Father for all eternity just like Jesus. Jesus spent his last 40 days on this planet re-emphasizing that death is not the end. Death is only the beginning. But he also spent that 40 days promising us that if only we would faithfully believe in him, that he would be willing to transform these fleshly bodies so that we might be conformed to his glorious spiritual body. Now, lastly, I've got a question for you. Brother Bill, you've laid a whole lot of stuff on us this morning. Is it fact or is it fiction? Is it the real deal or is it a line of bull? Is it fact or is it fiction? Well, it kind of depends on a couple of things, doesn't it? First of all, it depends on what you think about this book. It depends on what you think about the Bible. Do you think that this Bible is the Word of God? Or do you think that it's just a collection of man-made stories passed down from generation to generation? What do you believe about this book? For a lot of people, it's old-fashioned to believe in this book. And if that's old-fashioned, I want to be new-fashioned, amen? A lot of people think it's old-fashioned. Sometimes we're branded as narrow. Sometimes we're branded as naive if we believe in this book. What do you believe about this book? Many folks might think, well, maybe not all of it's true. Maybe it's fact and fiction. And maybe you decide, you know what, there's some Bible teachings and some Bible commands that I can ignore. You may say, you know, there's a few teachings in this book um, that I can just disobey completely. But that's an important question, isn't it? What do you think about this book? Now, there's another question that's equally important, and that is, what do you think about Jesus? What do you believe about Jesus? Do you really believe that he is the only begotten son of God? Or do you believe, you know what, he was a really good man. He did some really good things, and he was a really good teacher, but really that's about it. What do you believe about Jesus? You see, there are many people that think, hey, man, you don't have to believe all the Bible. Many people think, hey, you don't have to believe everything that's written about Jesus. Many people think that way. They think, oh, man, you can just believe some of it and you'll be just fine. Friend, don't you believe that lie. Don't be deceived. 
Because if I understand Christianity right, and I believe after a while I've got a grip on it, there is no middle ground. There's no middle ground. You either believe that this is the Word of God, and you believe that Jesus is the eternal Son of God, or you don't. You believe that this is the Word of God and that Jesus is the Son of God, or you don't believe He's the Son of God at all. So you've got to come to grips this morning with what do I believe? What do you believe? And friend, if you believe that the Bible is the Word of God and you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, then you've got to believe that the resurrection and the ascension are fact, not fiction. It's plain and simple. What do you believe? And if you do believe that Jesus was resurrected, well, guess what? Then you have to believe that you're going to be resurrected. In Acts chapter 7, we read about the first Christian ever to be killed simply for believing in Jesus. Verse 55 and 56 say, But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven, saw the glory of God, and guess who else he saw? Jesus, standing at the right hand of God. In Acts chapter 9, we read about Saul of Tarsus traveling the road to Damascus. And beginning in verse 3, the Bible says that as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and suddenly he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice. And that voice said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Saul said, well, who are you, Lord? And the voice said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. That's who I am. And then if you fast forward 70 years, we find the Apostle John has been banished on the island of Patmos. He's away from his church. He's away from his friends. He's away from his family. And he sees the resurrected, ascended Lord Jesus. And he writes, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though I were dead. And Jesus placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. Get this. I was dead. Behold, I am alive forever and ever. I hold the keys to death and hell. Behold, the resurrected Lord Jesus. Let me ask you this question. Does it have any interest in your heart to have an eternal home that can never be destroyed by fire? Is there anybody here that's had a home destroyed by fire before? One, two, wow, three. Pretty devastating, I would, I would suggest. How'd it be for y'all if y'all knew that y'all had a home that could never be destroyed by fire? Feel pretty good? Amen. What, does it have any interest in your heart to have an eternal home that winds can't blow away? How many people lost a home or know of somebody who lost a home in the tornadoes over there in Limestone? Uh-oh, now we got a bunch, amen? How would it be 
if you could have an eternal home that a wind couldn't blow away or a tornado couldn't touch? Do you have any interest in an eternal home where there will be no locks on the doors because there won't be any evil people there? How many times, how many people have had their home broken into in their life? Amen? Wow. How'd it be if you didn't have to worry about locks on your door because there wasn't any evil people in the world? Does a home like that even interest you? That's the home that we're promised. You see, the invitation of Jesus is not just an invitation to get rid of all of our problems. The invitation of Jesus is not an invitation to get a few things fixed up. It's a life. It's a home. It's an eternal home. It's an invitation to a home that will last for all eternity. You see, the Bible's right. There is no question about it. Jesus really is the eternal Son of God. He really did die on a cross. He really was buried in that tomb. He really did rise from the dead. He really did ascend to the right hand of God. He really is pleading on your behalf before the Father right now as we speak. And He is preparing a place for you. And one day, He really will come back. That's the promise of God. The question is, where will you be? Where will you spend eternity? God invites you today to believe in this word and believe in his son. So today you have a decision. Today you have a choice, a choice to respond or a choice not to respond. Receive the promises of God for an eternal home that can never be destroyed or accept the crumbs that the world offers for this little microscopic period of time that you're here. My prayer for you is, is that you will receive the Lord Jesus today and believe in this word. Let me pray for you.